You are listening to Talking Home Renovations with a House Maven. Is it time to renovate your house, but you're worried that you don't really know what you're doing? This is an educational and entertaining podcast that will ease your fears. Or maybe you just love hearing about home renovations like I do. I am your host, Catherine McPhail. I am an architect. I practice in Eastern Massachusetts. On the show, I interview other architects, vendors, contractors, and homeowners to gather tips and stories about home renovations. You can learn about materials, systems, sustainable practices, what to expect, what to avoid, and how to make the most of the money that you'll spend on your renovation. I'm taking a couple weeks off to celebrate the end of 2021. So I am posting a couple of early episodes from 2019, both having to do with light, since I thought that was appropriate for the season. This first episode is lighting design with Catherine Golden Oak, who's an interior designer. She goes over the basics of lighting, lighting your home, what makes it feel like a grown-up home. I learned a lot when I interviewed her, and I also learned a lot just listening again. So hopefully you will too. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Catherine Golden Oak, and I run Spring Green Interior Design in Arlington, Massachusetts. Um, I have always wanted to be an interior designer ever since I was a little child. So uh, about 10 years ago, I went back to school and got my master's degree in interior architecture and design. And I absolutely love my job. So it's definitely the right thing for me to be doing. That's no, great. That's great. And your specialty is, uh, one of your specialties is lighting design, right? Which is mm-hmm. what we're going to be talking about today. Um so I'm really, I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say about these topics. I mean, typically my clients don't know much about lighting at all. Some of the people listening to this might not uh, have ever considered that they should get a lighting design. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of them might say, or a lot of my old clients have said, can't the electrician just lay out something? Right. So what would you say? What would you say to that? I mean, I know that happens a lot and I guess it varies, you know, from electrician it's, to electrician. How much, a lot. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and different electricians do have different amounts of training in light design. Right. Um, in terms of just getting lumens onto surfaces, yes, they can put lighting in, but oftentimes it doesn't create a pleasant lighting atmosphere. Hmm. Um, so it's really nice to have a design before you install all of your lighting so that you can have a pleasant layered light atmosphere uh, that gives you a, a good sense of comfort when you're in the zone. A lot of people respond to light in a space but aren't really conscious of it. So you may have been in a space um, like a terribly lit office environment where kind of everybody looks pale and, you know, somewhat dead. I have been been there, yes. Right. You know that something's wrong, but it's sort of hard to identify that it's a light. And oftentimes, um, sometimes I have clients in rentals and they'll have just overhead lights that are really harsh and giving them pretty bad light quality. Mm. And they just know that something's wrong in the space and I can come in and point right to the light and that's the problem. Yeah. Um, So yeah, oftentimes, Lighting that's installed without intention can end up not providing very good light quality. What what are layers of light and why would you want them? Sure. So layers of light are helpful in that they create light and shadow. Um, if you think about a very cloudy day, if you're outside, even if it's a bright cloudy day, everything's sort of evenly lit and dull. There's no shadows and it's not really pleasant to be outside in that sort of environment. Um, whereas if you think of a, a dappled forest with sunlight kind of filtering through leaves, it's much more evocative. It's something that the human mind responds a little bit more to. Mm. Um, so having just one source of light in a room can make it feel like there's either no shadows at all or there are weird shadows. Uh, and having multiple layers of light creates sort of an ambient glow that allows you to feel as if there are um, spaces of more light, spaces of a little bit more darkness, which creates a sense of texture and um, sort of ambience for the room. Hmm. So that would be the, so the ambient light would be just kind of the general light. Yep. So you want to have, uh, as I said earlier, lumens are the measure of light. So you want to have lumens in the space, which is your ambient lighting. You want to have light that's falling on surfaces so that you don't bump into things. 
Um, so you want to have your general lighting, and then you also want to have task lighting, which is for your specific purpose. If you're sitting on a sofa, you want to be able to see the book that you're reading, um, or you want to see your laptop or whatever it is you're doing. Uh, so task lighting in the kitchen could be uh, under cabinet lighting so you can see the carrots that you're chopping and you don't cut your fingers. Mm. Uh, different kinds of task lighting in different areas. Um, if you're in the bathroom, you want to be able to see if you're, you know, putting on makeup or shaving your face, you know, you want to be able to see that task really well. So you don't just want an overhead light in a bathroom, you also want to have light on your face if you're looking in the mirror. The vanity light that you see in a lot of older homes is sort of that straight strip over the mirror or over a medicine cabinet. And that does because it's lighting from above at an angle, it can create uh, really kind of hollow shadows under your eyes, which isn't the best look when you're trying to, you know, no. put on makeup and look like you're fresh for the day. Uh, having a sconce on either side of a mirror can help with that. It lights your face from the side and it's much even, more even lighting for your face. There are also some new mirrors that have uh, electrical lights built into the mirror that itself. Yeah, I've uh, seen so those. Those seem to have a nice even light. Mm -hmm, yeah, that, that lights your face nice and evenly so you don't get those hollows. They do yeah. tend to be very bright. So depending on kind of how light sensitive you are, I know sometimes people find them extremely bright if you turn it on first thing in the morning. So, mm. well, it just seemed like having better lighting when you get up in the morning would be less depressing going That's off true. into the day. You'd feel better yeah, you about life. You absolutely do want to have good lighting in the bathroom for sure. Yeah. Although otherwise. I like, yeah, I like to have layered lighting in the bathroom as well, because if you're getting ready for bed, for example, those, um, those mirrors that light your face really well in the morning can be extremely bright if you're trying to kind of slow down as you're going to bed. So it's nice to be able to have some dimmer lights in the bathroom so you can brush your teeth and, you know, get ready oh. and kind of slip into slumberland. Interesting. So you would, you would have dimmers in the bathroom too. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Or just even having different, if you have an overhead light and sconces, for example, you know, you could have the overhead light on a dimmer and you could have that low as you're getting ready for bed without having the bright light right in your face. That's a, that does sound much more pleasant. Mm -hmm. So you've got ambient lighting, which lets you see things in the room. You've got task lighting, which lets you see specifically what it is you're doing. And then accent lighting is really uh, decorative. So uh, in lighting design, sometimes they call it sparkle. It doesn't necessarily have to be a sparkly light per se. But if you think about, um, for example, a piece of art that's lit by a picture light, whether it's from the ceiling or whether it's a picture light that's over the, the art itself, it's not necessary to light the room. It's not lighting a task that you're doing, but it creates a little glow in that area and it makes the art really look special. Hmm. Uh, and if you've got light like that throughout the room, that's just sort of touching on beautiful pieces in the room, it can make the whole space feel much richer and deeper and more textured. Um, hmm. So it can, it can make a really big difference. Uh, I had a client once who said it makes her home feel like it's a grown up home now instead of, you know, like the young adult home, she's like, oh, it feels grown up now. You know, I've got these little extra bits of lighting that make it really feel finished and complete. Yeah, I can totally see that. With uniform lighting, um, like big box stores have uniform lighting and boutique stores have like really um, beautiful layered lighting. And that's mm. a good way, I think, for people to envision what the difference is in terms of what a uniform light versus a, a layered light looks like. The lighting, if you think about Costco and how um, draining it is to be in there for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Versus a nice little clothing boutique. A nice little clothing boutique will have individual displays lit differently. It'll have, it'll have those layers of light that we talked about. It'll mm -hmm. have ambient light and then it'll have accent lighting on special things. And it gives you a sense of depth when you've got that layered light and it feels sort of more upscale and special. And that definitely translates to a home as well. If you've got just generic light coming kind of blatted out from the ceiling <laughs> the way you would in Costco. Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't feel as special. And if you've got that layered light with some shadow and some accent, uh, it definitely, it gives it a sense of, um, of space that's definitely more welcoming and warm and upscale. Yeah, that's a great point. So 
fixtures, types of fixtures are something that's kind of uh, confusing and they, they create different shapes of mm -hmm. light. So would you mind talking a little bit about the different options out there and what the advantages or disadvantages are of each? Sure. Uh, so light, if you think about it, I mean, I know we all know it's a wave and a particle, right? It's a confusing thing. Light is a little bit um, mysterious still. Uh, but if you think of light fixtures as shaping light, as they emit the light, um, oftentimes they have a direction and the light you can almost envision as a shape. So if you consider a recessed ceiling fixture, sort of your standard can down light, uh, if you picture how the light is coming out of it, you can almost picture it like a cone coming out of that light. Does that make mm. sense to you as you're sort of yeah. picturing it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, if you have um, a flush mount light, which is like um, that sort of semicircular light that you see in a lot of kind of builder grade homes, mm -hmm. um, they just sort of emit a blat of light. It's not really very directional and it tends to have a lot of glare. Uh, where That's, by contrast- I'm sorry, you're talking about just a regular ceiling mounted fixture there, right? Just, just a, a regular ceiling mounted fixture, center yeah. light, okay. Um, it's what you see oftentimes if you sort of go into a generic room that has a generic overhead light, it tends not to be a very good quality of light. Yes. Uh, it tends to be, you can, oftentimes you can see the bulb, which isn't great also because your eye is getting glare from that. Yes. But also it's, um, it's just sort of um, splattering light everywhere. There's no real direction to it. Mm -hmm. um, where by contrast, a semi-flush light, which is similar to a flush mount, it's not directly against the ceiling though. It's down often on a stem. Um, you know, six, eight, 12 inches will be shining light both down, but it also shines light up onto the ceiling and the light mm -hmm. reflecting off of that ceiling then kind of cascades down. And again, this is something you gotta have to picture in the, in the cascade of light. It's not actually a physical yes. object, but- Well, I'm picturing it. It sounds pretty nice. So I'm guessing yeah. the semi-flush is, is more pleasing than the flush. It absolutely provides a nice glow. Hmm. Um, and the semi-flush, just replacing a flush mount light with a semi-flush mount light can make a huge difference in a space. Interesting. That's, that again, I would not have guessed. I don't know why, I just never really thought about the semi-flush versus, versus flush. Okay, so go yeah, on. It makes, it makes a huge difference. So yeah. uh, another kind of light that people don't think of very often is lighting that's on the wall. So sconces, for example. Uh, and sconces can create light that's against a surface and that also creates a similar kind of glow from the bounce off the ceiling. So mm. it creates more of a kind of a halo of light if you think of like a dandelion puff, right? It's got uh, kind of a presence to it. It's a a glow of light around sconces. Mm. And then you can get a similar effect from either floor lamps or table lamps. They create kind of a globe of light around them and then that kind of emits from there. Mm. Uh, so those can also provide really nice either task lighting or accent lighting. Okay, so if you were going to be lighting, um, I assume you would light different rooms differently, like a bedroom would be lit differently from a living room or kitchen. Absolutely, yep. Yeah, so <clears throat> let's say a living room. Um, if people are just thinking about uh, the fixtures they should look for for their mm -hmm. for their rooms. So a semi-flush, um, if you have very low ceilings, what do you suggest for a semi-flush? Now by very low, I mean, usually people don't have less than seven and a half feet, but that mm -hmm. would be, a, um, you know, a sadly low ceiling, which I know yep. is a problem <laughs> for people. You can't do anything about your ceiling height really without rebuilding the house. Yep. But can you do anything with the lighting to help that? Yep, there absolutely are semi-flush that have a shallow drop from the ceiling. So you can find a semi-flush that's, you know, eight inches down from the ceiling. So nobody's going to be hitting their head on it. Will it make it seem, will it make the, can it make the ceiling seem higher? I don't know that it would make the ceiling seem higher. Um, I'd love to say that, right? It's like saying, yeah. you know, painting, painting a room a lighter color makes it feel bigger. I don't, your mileage yeah. may vary on it, right? Right, right. Yeah, it'd be nice to have a magic answer, but right. so, but it was still, you can still have the cascading light. Absolutely. Yep. And that makes um, a big difference in terms of the way the room feels. 
So in a living room, would you, like what would be a basic design for the living room? Would you always include a semi-flush? And do you also include any task lighting in a living room? Like, and, or do mm -hmm. you just use reading lamps for that? Or what would you, I know yep. it varies on the living room and what people it are absolutely, doing. Yeah, absolutely. It does vary depending on the living room. Oftentimes in a living room, you'll have um, a fireplace, especially in New England. Mm -hmm. um, so it can be nice to either have uh, sconces on either side of a piece of art over the fireplace or a picture light either on the ceiling or over a piece of art that sort of makes the fireplace a glow focal spot. Mm. So that's kind of your focal wall usually. Um, <clears throat> for overhead lighting, a lot of homes do have recessed, um, which tends to be sort of a bright way of lighting a living room. So that's good if you're all sitting together, I don't know, doing a jigsaw puzzle or something. It's good to have that light available, but yeah. it tends not to be the most kind of comfortable, casual, friendly kind of feeling light. <clears throat> it can help if they're on a dimmer. So that does make a difference. I like if it's over a seating area, it can be fun to put a decorative light over that seating area, kind of over your coffee table. So sometimes you even have space for a pendant or a small chandelier there, which can really give it a sense of special space. It wow. defines the seating area. Yeah, that definitely uh, would feel like a grown-up house then. It yeah. does, right? It feels like a grown-up house. Yeah. Uh, if you have extremely low ceilings or if it feels as if that's not your style, you certainly could put a semi-flush there. Uh, just to light the space. And that's going to be your general ambient lighting. Mm -hmm. uh, for task lighting, I do think that lamps are really helpful. So whether it's a floor lamp or table lamps near where you're sitting, it can be extremely helpful to be able to just see what it is you're doing, whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. Um, so reading or knitting reading or whatever. On your computer, doing. knitting, exactly. If you're doing crafts, whatever it is, it's nice to be able to see it a little bit more clearly than what your overhead ambient light is. It also yeah. helps for shadows because oftentimes overhead lights if you're knitting, great example, right? Your head is probably over where your hands are. So you don't want to have a shadow on it. So having a, a specific task light for that can be really helpful. Okay. So uh, what can you tell me about, let's say color temperature? I've, you know, I've heard some things about that, especially with the LED lights. And mm -hmm. I'm wondering, I'm wondering what that, what that means. I mean, I've seen yep. that there, there are bulbs that are, they say there's more yellow light and I just don't really know what that is, means in my life, so. Mm -hmm. Sure, so color temperature is uh, the way our eye perceives whether a light is warm or cool. So if you think of like the Edison bulbs that have been popular the past few years, they're a very, very warm orange color. Um, and if you've seen sort of what are called daylight bulbs, they're almost, they read as almost a blue white light. Mm -hmm. um, like, have you seen those different kinds of bulbs? Yeah. Um, so for us, as we're looking at the, uh, at the colors, um, it goes from sort of warm at the low end to cool at the high end. Um, strangely, <laughs> uh, color temperature is me measured in degrees Kelvin, and uh, what we perceive as orange or warm is a lower degree temperature, which is confusing mm. to some people. Yeah, so it seems it, like it would be hotter. Right, it does, it does. Um, yeah. The way we perceive light, uh, sunlight is actually a very cool light, which is very counterintuitive, because we think, you know, when you learn to draw the sun when you're in elementary school, you color it in in yellow crayon, right? right. Uh, we think of sunlight as being warm because it feels warm as it hits us, and so we do get a sense of it as being warm, but it's actually a very cool color light, um, and you can see that when you put in a quote-unquote sunlight temperature, which is 5,000 Kelvin. Uh, if you put that bulb in your home, it will seem very cool even though it's the exact same color temperature as what sunlight is. When we see it outside, it's what we've evolved to see naturally, so it seems completely normal outside. We all grew up with uh, incandescent halogen, which is 2700 Kelvin, uh, which is a much warmer color light. Uh, Edison bulbs are about, as I said, 2000 Kelvin. You'll see sometimes sold uh, cool white, but not daylight white, which is 3000 Kelvin. 
Mm-hmm. And most people, I would say, find most comfortable is between 2,700 and 3,000 Kelvin. Okay. Um, so you'll sometimes see bulbs that are 4,000. That's going to be definitely cool. 5,000 is a very, very cold blue light. And yeah. So when would you want that in your house? When, I mean, when, under what application would you want a very cool or the cold light? The four or 5,000? It's really interesting. It's personal preference. I have a client who loves cold blue light. And he has replaced all of his lights with cold blue light. Um, They're high color rendering index, which I'd also like to speak about at some point. Um, But he just really responds to that. His brain responds to it well. What's he he like? What's he like? Yeah, Um, I mean, is he, do you think it links to personality types? He tends to be a little bit more modern, although there are people who have contemporary modern homes that certainly don't gravitate towards the cool color temperature. Um, I think it may be a matter of the way people's eyes receive light, process yeah. them, and the way their brains respond to it. I bet you. Um, we're, all, we're all different that way. I absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And different people respond very differently to different kinds of light. There are some people who will have um, a really strong reaction to light in a room and say, this room is lit terribly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oftentimes their partner will say, I don't see what the problem is. I can see what I'm doing. You know, so yeah. people, <laughs> people have very different responses to light. Um, so I, do, you, do you have to find out what how these people react to how your clients react to light and then and then kind of design accordingly? It sounds like, mm-hmm. yeah. And as I said, it the way they want it. Yeah, most people do respond in the twenty seven hundred to three thousand. Uh, that's sort of a, a good range from slightly warm to slightly cool, uh, without going kind of. If you lit your entire house in just Edison bulbs, it would be very warm ambience, but it wouldn't be very easy to see. Um, and if you let it in all in all five five thousand Kelvin, then it can be a very cool ambience. It is very clearly lit. I think part of why he likes it also is that it's a very clear light. Yeah. Well, all our eyes are different, so mm-hmm. we even perceive colors differently. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. we Just, certainly do. Would you want a cold light more? Um, like in a bathroom or a warm light in a bathroom? Or again, is it just personal preference all over the house? Mm-hmm. The way we respond to light tends to be that um, bluer light tends to wake us up a little bit more. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you've heard about, you know, things that you can have on your computer screen that will make it less blue light late at night. Yes, um, I've heard of that. So, yeah. yeah, there's like color shifts where you can have it be a little bit more orange light. So having warmer light can be nice as you're, you know, ending your day, getting ready for bed. Having a brighter, cooler light can be nice early in the morning if you're trying to pep up. Hmm. Um, so for example, those mirrors that we talked about earlier that have light integrated into the mirror in the bathroom tend to be a very cold light. <clears throat> which is great in the morning and is not great if you're brushing your teeth about ready to go to bed. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. There are tunable white lights that you can get now where you can uh, have one fixture, one bulb. Uh, and with your phone, if you're the kind of person who loves to do this, uh, you can change um, change the color of your light from a warm white to a cool white and back. Um, oftentimes these lights also have other colors that you can turn them you know, green if you want a green light. Uh, but having a tunable white really can help you light your living space in a, a warm way if you need it warm, a cool way if you need it cool. That's so great. That would be mm-hmm. so much fun to have. Yeah, yeah. Because it's really, if I could tell everybody one thing about lighting, it would be color rendering index, which is abbreviated CRI. Okay. Um, it's super important, and it's actually it's hard to find on light bulb boxes. You know, I feel like it should be on every every light bulb box you ever see. Color rendering index is how well a fixture or a light bulb will render color. How Hmm. good does color look under that light? So again, going back to sunlight, uh, sunlight has a color rendering index of 100. It's how our eyes evolved to see color. So sunlight renders all colors equally well. If you think of the light spectrum, if you've seen the picture of the light spectrum, right, from 
you know, Roy J. Biv, uh, mm -hmm. all of the visible light that we can see, it renders all of it well. So if you've got a bright red shiny apple out in the sun, it'll look bright red and shiny. If you've got a green leaf, it'll look nice and green. And if you've got, I don't know, something blue, uh, <laughs> you get a, mm -hmm. a bright blue rubber ball or something, it'll, it'll look nice and bright blue. Um, if you take those things inside, uh, the artificial light is going to be lighting it differently. And if you have a high color rendering index light, it will light it so that those colors look more correct to your eye. And if it has a low color, render, color rendering index, it will look wrong. Uh, and the reason for that is that artificial lights um, don't light as evenly across the spectrum as sunlight does. So one really easy to identify example is fluorescent lights, especially older fluorescent lights. Again, if you've been in, in a room with fluorescent lights and every color looks just a little wrong and people look a little bit not alive, um, and food looks a little bit unappetizing. The reason for that is that across that color spectrum, almost all of the colors are not being fully represented. And there are um, spikes. You know, there'll be a spike in one small section of red, one small section of blue, one small section of green that are being lit. And all of the colors just being put together from those small spikes. And there's a whole lot of other colors that aren't being represented. So our eyes are assembling that color together and kind of giving us the best facsimile of what the colors should be. But because we're not getting all of that information from the light, uh, it's not rendering those colors correctly and everything looks a little wrong. And that can be really depressing to be in that sort of environment. Yeah, definitely. It definitely is. I think about a lot of my temp jobs I had when I was mm -hmm. young. It's yep. kind of, I, all those things you're talking about, kind of food not looking appetizing, people looking not really that alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and honestly, it's absolutely worth spending a little bit more money for a high color rendering index bulb. Um, so uh, color rendering is sort of the baseline that you have these days is 80 uh, out of 100 with, you know, sunlight is 100. A lot of fixtures are 80 plus CRI. 80 is sort of like basically okay, but not great. Um, a, a better fluorescent light would be an 80. You know, a poorer fluorescent light might be a 75. Um, but 80 isn't great. Uh, 85 is okay, like pretty good. Uh, but I recommend people always look for 90 plus CRI. Anything that's a 90 plus CRI is going to render color in a way that looks nice. Your food's going to look yummy. Your friends and family are going to look alive and <laughs> alively healthy. Mm. Um, things are just going to look right. They're going to feel correct. And that has such a, a heavy psychological impact on us. Uh, yes. Like far, far more than people are consciously aware of. It makes a really big difference on an unconscious level. Can any fixture take any bulb? I mean, not obviously it's not the right size bulb, but. So uh, something that's interesting with the rise of LED is that a lot of fixtures that are sold with LED have the LED integrated into the fixture. They don't have a changeable bulb. So if you've got a fixture that's going to last you 50,000 hours, you don't expect to be changing the bulb. You're probably just going to replace the fixture when that LED breaks. <clears throat> so in the case of LED fixtures, oftentimes you actually do need to find the CRI of the fixture because those LEDs are fixed in place. Yeah. Uh, there certainly are replacement bulbs that you can put in sort of your regular screw socket bulb. Uh, that are LED, and those you can look at the CRI of the bulb itself. The bulbs that uh, you and I, I think, grew up with uh, had that sort of single small filament. If you looked inside, uh, right. they yeah. burned out really pretty quickly mm -hmm. um, and are extremely energy inefficient. They released a ton of heat in addition to releasing the light. Yeah. Uh, so, for energy purposes, those have been phased out. Uh, they've been replaced. Uh, the closest replacement is. Um, a halogen bulb, which has a similar sort of technology in terms of there's a filament that's being illuminated, but it's much more efficient because of the way the bulb works. Um, so if you want to replace your bulbs, your old bulbs, I know some people actually 
when the, the old incandescents were being discontinued, a lot of people went and started hoarding the old ones. So people hmm. still do have stashes of like, you know, 25 bulbs that they bought years ago. Yeah. Um, but whenever those run out, <laughs> the closest thing that you can get to that is a halogen bulb. That still just screws into a, like a bedside yep. lamp. Absolutely. Um, uh, you can get bulbs that screw into your bedside lamp or your table lamp or your floor lamp or what have you that are either halogen, you can get them as compact fluorescent, which I'm sure you've seen the sort of tubes that spiral yeah. around. Mm -hmm. uh, although they're still the same base, they still screw into the same fixture. Right. Uh, now they have LED and the LED ones are getting much better. A number of people who were early adopters of LED bulbs uh, really hated the light quality. And that's yeah. because they had ter terrible color rendering index. Mm. Uh, so uh, unfortunately people sort of started in with LED and then it got a bad rap because it was giving really terrible quality light. And they've yeah. improved significantly since then. So if you look for LED that's 90 plus CRI, you can get really beautiful light from that. Okay, so we have two different, I just need to recap a little bit. So we got we got color rendering index, the CRI, and then mm -hmm. we also have the, uh, when you said it was measured on the Kelvin scale, that was the- Color temperature, uh, yep. So then are both of those things listed on the boxes of these bulbs? Or do you, can you look it up on the internet or? You definitely can look it up on the internet. Uh, color temperature often is listed on the box. It's not always listed on the box. It might say cool white, for example, uh, or mm -hmm. daylight, uh, but it usually is listed on the box. So you'll see a number with a K after it. Uh, and again, the lower number tends to be warmer and the higher number tends to be cooler. Color rendering index, I find it very questionable that it's not on every bulb that you buy. It should be on every fixture, every bulb. Uh, it's not, it's hard to find. You have to look it up. Um, and you can look that up on the internet. You can look that up on the internet. You should be able to, or you can contact the manufacturer if you can't find it online. Okay. And if they don't have it available anywhere, it's probably a good sign that it's not a great CRI, especially with LED bulbs. If there's an LED fixture or bulb that you're looking at and you can't find the CRI anywhere, they'd be advertising it if it was good. So it's right. probably not great. Uh, you want to look for things that are 90 plus if possible, 85 plus if you absolutely can't find 90 plus. Okay. Well, that's a good tip. Yeah. If it's horrible, they're not going to mention it. So if you can't right. find it, that's a bad sign. What are the basic mistakes or what are the worst mistakes lighting wise that people can make in their homes? Just having, it sounds like just having a single overhead light. Yep. Single overhead light tends to not give very pleasant light. Um, oftentimes people will have insufficient light in a space uh, and either they'll know that or they won't know that. But sometimes I'll walk into a home and they don't like the way the room is looking and it's really clear that the space is not adequately lit uh, mm -hmm. and that can make it feel really gloomy and dreary. Is it difficult to retrofit, you know, if it's just an existing house, can an electrician go in and actually install new lights pretty easily or is that kind uh, of involved? Yeah, absolutely. Most lights can be installed pretty easily. Um, in older homes, sometimes your mileage may vary in a specific location because it can be hard for electricians to wire things through in cases of bizarre architecture. Um, yeah. But yes, for the most part, things can be wired in easily. One exception is recessed lighting that goes up into the ceiling. Uh, if the building is built in a way, especially in some older homes, where the ceiling doesn't have enough depth to accommodate that fixture, there are um, different fixtures that you'll need if it has a shallow ceiling, essentially. If the space between the ceiling surface and the floor surface above it is a small space and you can't fit the whole fixture up inside it. Uh, there are actually some new LED fixtures that are much shallower that can be that can be retrofitted for that. But it's something that you would need to know as you're going into it. Well, you know, this has been very um, helpful to me, and I am, I'm sure everybody's going to get something out of it. 
yeah, it's kind of embarrassing that I know so little about light bulbs, honestly. I don't, I don't really think that much about it and I get kind of overwhelmed when I'm there, but now I will know what to look for. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Which, which is great. And I definitely need to start my day off with a better uh, attitude by improving my bathroom lighting. Mm-hmm. So you've motivated, motivated me to do that. Great. Um, well, thank you so much. Is there anything else you would like to say or how can people reach you? Sure. Uh, people can reach me. You can find my website is springgreendesign.com. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you subscribe to this podcast. If you don't, please head over to wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. And if you have time to write a review, that would be so helpful. Please contact me for any reason at thehousemaven at talkinghomerenovations.com. I love to hear from people. You could also join my Facebook group, which is Talking Home Renovations Together. And I'm on there with a bunch of people who have also been on the show, have been guests on the show, and other architects and homeowners and contractors. And so we can just talk about whatever issues people might have right there in the Facebook group. If you're on Clubhouse, come join me 10 a.m. Eastern, Saturday mornings. There is so much information on my website, which is TalkingHomeRenovations.com. Head over there for transcripts, episode enhancements, other information. If you want to be a guest, that's where you'll find that information in the application. This podcast is a member of Gable Media, which is the largest AEC network on the planet. Check out the other content on the network at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A.com. This podcast is a production of my architecture firm, Demios Architects, where we believe architects are for everyone. Until next time, take care.